Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Hello. How's it going? My name is Scott. I am a professional human. Um, I am one of the communicators here. I also sometimes lead worship. No, I'm not lost. I'm supposed to be here. Um, uh, Man, here we are. Super Bowl Sunday. You really are the elect, you know? Go St. Louis, right? They're in it, I think. Oh, wait. Sorry. I know. That was was an overt joke. I know that it's not St. Louis. Um, So we're, we're talking about fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. And um, last week, Nathan kind of set the, the, the ground that, that you've got to do the right thing to get the right result, you know, essentially. You've got to, if you're wondering, if you, if, I, I had an old pastor that would say, if you have a fruit problem, you have a root problem. And uh, I, like, I like that cheesy stuff. Um, but I'm talking about love, um, which is, you know, um, a thing that we um, all know. <laughs> Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, in case you didn't know, don't panic. Um, it's already too late if you didn't know that. Um, but what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Like, is it all we need? Like, that's what the Beatles would say. Is it a weapon? Is it a, a force, a feeling? Is it a, a substance? Is it a noun? Is it a verb? It's kind of a, an interesting thing. So um, I say, you know, I say I love things, and, and I love a lot of things, but I, I, I would not die for ice cream, but I would die for my child. And yet I love them both. It, you know, like, well, I, pro- I might die for ice cream. It depends on how good it is. But like, if you want help finding an intuitive definition, I thought this would be fun. Just, you can, you can call out the answer. What do you think is more of a concrete word? Dog or love? Dog? Dog? Okay, this half, wake up. Um, dog, right? That kind of seems like it. Okay, so... If, if you all took the picture of dog that you thought of, how likely do you think it's going to be the same as someone else's picture? Is it big? Is it small? Is it a husky, a wolf? Is it a chihuahua? Is it black? Is it white? Is it brown? Is it old? Is it young? Is it energetic? Like, do you see how many different dogs there could be? Or dog could also be like, what a dog, when you're just talking about someone who's dogging it, you know, like, or an ugly person. Um, I've been called that before, so I feel like I'm one of you. Um, so, but, but I would argue, maybe if I just said love, you probably all have a pretty close idea. Don't you think? So it, it seems like we don't know what it is, but we kind of know what it is. And I think if you, if you think about love long enough, you'll inevitably end up thinking about dark matter in the universe. I mean, we've all been there, right? No? Just me? I'm the only one? Okay, this will blow your mind, because... If you took everything you could see with a telescope everywhere in all the universe, right? All this stuff, like the planets, the nebulae, the asteroids, the suns and stars. How much, what do you think that is as a percentage of what we know has to be in the universe? It's 5%. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? Doesn't that blow your mind? It should blow your mind. You guys, your mind has been blown. I'm, a, I'm declaring it. 
So do you know 68% of what we know, just because they're measuring stars in, in directions and they're getting further away. So we know there's something moving it. And for stuff to move, there has to be energy behind it. So 68% of what we think is out there, we just call it must be dark energy. So what? We don't know what it is. That's the, like literally the, mo the most intelligent physicist in the world is like, I don't know. <laughs> then you know what the rest of it is? Dark matter. You know, w what's that? I don't know. Well, how do you know it's there? Because you can see that it's affecting everything you can see. Yeah, That's what love is like. You may not be able to say what it is, but you know its effect. You can see its effect. And, and that is why um, scripture has all these wonderful things to say about love in the same way. Um, we're surrounded by it. Love is like that. We don't always know what it is. We can't always articulate it, but we know exactly what it does. So in... in uh, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12, Jesus is, is literally just being asked, what's the greatest commandment? So they're not talking about love. They're just like, what, what do we do? And I think they were trying to be like, we, we're going to get him because he's going to have to pick one, you know? And he says, without skipping a beat, he goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So first of all, he gave a two for one. Second of all, he mentioned love in two different commandments when they just were asking him a question about what do I do with my life? Isn't that interesting? So Jesus, is, he's just beginning to unfold the importance of this topic in God's kingdom. This, is, this was his answer to what we should do. Got it. So we like God, right? That's what he's saying. Or whatever, what we just thought of love a second ago. We like God. We have an affection for him. Is that what he's saying? So I, I, I ice cream love God, and I ice cream love my neighbor as myself. Does that sound right? That sounds incomplete, right? That sounds like you're convenient to me, and you make me feel good when I eat you. Like, you know, and like metaphorically, that's what happens, right? You know? <laughs> but there has to be some like. There has to be some affection, I feel like. You know, I have an uncle, and I'm pretty sure he likes me, but do you know how I know he loves me? Um... <laughs> I rented a U-Haul once uh, for my old business. I had to take the biggest U-Haul you can get, the one that's so big that a normal person should not be allowed to just get in and drive it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like 30 feet long and it weighs 30,000 pounds and, or whatever the law says it can weigh. And they're just like, here's the keys, Junior. Bring it back. Keep it under 100. So I'm driving it. I had to go to Home Depot and stop and get something. And I, as I was leaving, my navigation was like taking me through the bowels of like 50 parking lots. I had no idea where I was. And the only accident I've ever caused in my whole life was hitting a bridge with this U-Haul and can openering it. Okay, that's a new verb, can openering. So I literally tore the roof off of the thing. But that's okay, because I had extra insurance, right? Yeah, that doesn't cover anything, okay? So I went back there, and so I'm panicking. So I eventually reach out to my uncle. He's a lawyer. I say, what do I do? How much do I have to pay you? Send me everything you've signed. Send me everything they've sent to you. Okay, boom. He just got in there. And he just starts going, you know, what are they asking you for? Well, they wanted me to pay for an entire new truck. I'm not kidding. It was $16,000 they wanted me to pay for just like, I damaged one piece of the vehicle. It was a large piece, but it was one. They, they put an engine on there, all this stuff. It was totally wacky. And my uncle just fires back and, and he's like, say this. And I'm like, I can't say that. They're going to get mad. And then he would, he would get in the email chain and just be like, I hope you're not suggesting this because that would be, and I'm like, dude, take it easy. You know, they're going to get mad. And guess what? Because of the way that they were coming at me, 
He knew how he could come back at them. He knew the rules. I didn't know the rules. And he came into my defense. He sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his employees' time. He had to pay people to help me. And guess what? They literally sent it to collections. And then collections, I was like, what do I do now? It's my uncle. He's like, write him this letter. And nobody's bothered me ever since. And I didn't have to pay anything. Even though I said on a recorded line, I am willing to pay what I damaged. Isn't that wild? Like, that's because somebody was willing to sacrifice their time, had some affection for me, right? You could call that love. It cost him something to do that. Does that make sense? So, what is, like, if, you, if, if, if it, love is just sacrifice, what if you remove sacrifice from someone's life? That doesn't seem to do much damage, right? If I remove affection, you could see how that'd be bad, but if I remove sacrifice, you're like, I don't know, you'd just be lazy. But... So love can't just mean sacrifice, it can't just mean affection. So this is where in my mind, and maybe this is just me hallucinating that you're like me, maybe now you kind of go, well, what is the absence of love look like? And I just want you to picture what it's like if you grew up in a house completely devoid of any love. Maybe some of you felt like that. Maybe some of you like me come from you know, a, a broken home where I had a lot of love in my house, but I don't know what it's like to have a father like there every day. That's how I grew up, that was normal. Think about what, that, what fruit that gets you. Anger, shame, all kinds of things. Like It's almost hard to think about, right? So we may not know what love is, but we know what it does if it's gone, right? So um, there's a brief story. I'm just gonna tell it. I'm not gonna put the scripture up there because it's like seven verses anyway. <laughs> Cain and Abel are, are in one of the, the first kids, you know, in, in the world, and they both give a sacrifice to God and God is pleased with Abel's and he's not pleased with Cain's. There's probably a whole sermon on why that is. But God says to Cain, um, sin is crouching at your doorstep and it desires to have its way with you. You need to master it. And so Cain, being the wonderful brother that he is, is jealous of his brother Abel, by the way, because his sacrifice was accepted. So he's like, hey, Abel, come on over here. It's like, oh, here they go. He's gonna make amends. Nope, literally murders the dude. That, the, the scripture later in the New Testament says something along the lines of Cain's, Cain was far from God. He was far from the love of God. And that is exactly what you get when you have no love. You get jealousy. You have to take from people what you want. You, have, you can't even let people have what doesn't even affect you. God's pleasure with Abel had nothing to do with his displeasure for Cain. Yet Cain blamed Abel. Isn't that interesting? So it's yucky to think about that. <laughs> Now, let me ask you this. How much time have you spent thinking about how much you could be loved? Have you ever thought about that? Just take a second right now and think about how the most loved you've ever felt. And what if you felt like that all the time? Wouldn't that be a future worth having? Dang, are we at a funeral or a wedding? What's going on here? (laughs) Come on, I'm at a wedding. I don't care. Somebody's getting married at the end of this thing. How much love could you possibly hold? How much could you possibly give? How, how could you change others' lives just by being in the room with them because you are literally spilling love all over the place. It's coming out of you like coronavirus. <laughs> so we thought about the absence, we thought about the excess, right? We have some idea that, of what it is. We're getting there. Now, John, in his first um, epistle, so he wrote some smaller letters, letters called epistles, um, not his gospel, which is his first album before he sold out. Um, 
He writes this in 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Gosh, this is good. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that, he, that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. So, in a way, it's kind of like, what is John saying? That's a pretty radical claim. If you don't love, you don't know God, and if you, love, and if you know God, you do love? So I would argue that this has less to do with his being like, you know, Christians are the only ones who can love, bro. I think what he's saying is, this is how essential love is to the kingdom of our God. It is impossible to separate. You can't have it without God. That's how important he's saying it is. So let's continue on. In this, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a fancy word. It basically means you're atoning. Like as Tim said, you're coming to the altar. So God did that for us. That's what the scripture says right here. So it's a sacrifice, right? Think of, I mean, I'm sure no matter where you're at on your journey with, with God, you've probably heard or seen John 3.16 written somewhere. You may not know the verse, but I'm sure you've heard it. But listen to the definition that's in there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. It's God so loved that he gave. Do you see that? That's the second time it's kind of linked to sacrifice. So love has to involve sacrifice, right? It must. And it's, it's not just sacrifice out of the blue, is it? It's on behalf of someone. Like, imagine if, you know, like, you know, Brandon Farr is a great man here. He's, he's a friend of mine. Like, what if, what if I just said, like, hey, Brandon, you know, I sacrificed this morning by, I took a cold shower for you. Does that make any sense? That has nothing to do with him. You know what I mean? But I did take a cold shower, and Brandon and I love cold showers. Take cold showers. Um, but what if I said, Brandon, I sold my 1957 Chevy to help you pay your mortgage. Wow. Yeah. I didn't do that. That'd be rad. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be, wouldn't you know? Would, it, would he ever doubt my love for him again? Now, what if I said, I gave, I bought you my favorite thing. That's me sacrificing for him, but he doesn't care. Do you see? So it can't just be a random sacrifice. I can't just do it on my own. It's on behalf of someone. Love calls us to this imitation of God in this very specific way. In um, verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So he's calling us to imitate him in that specific way that we follow the example of Christ. And I don't know about you, that's a pretty high bar. But it's not that we attain what he attained. It's for us to know that no matter how much we might conceive of sacrificing for someone else, he has gone before us. He has already done and given more than we could ever conceive of. So it's an invitation. It's not, a, it's not to like say, hey, you fell short again. It's to say, hey, no matter what you're thinking about risking, no matter how far you're thinking about going, I have gone and I have given. So you're in good company and I will be there. <laughs> so listen, listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. This is like the very end of his life. He's about to be crucified like in a day, you know? And he's in the garden with his closest followers. 
And he says in, in uh, the Gospel of John, the original album, um, chapter 15, verses uh, 12 through 17, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Huh? And that your fruit would remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command to you, that you love one another. In other words, everything in heaven, all the resources of God will flood toward you like a heat-seeking missile if you follow his example to lay down your life for others. Isn't that wild? Maybe some of you are wondering where the provision is, where you're feeling stuck. Maybe some of you feel like you have been laying down your lives. Well, I got news for you. The, 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 the resources of heaven sniff that stuff out every time. God is looking for people who are eager to lay down their lives. And he is going, whatever you need, whatever you need. Where do you need to go? That's where my love is calling you. Here's everything you could possibly imagine. Borders will open, money will flow. There is nothing that can stand between that and, and what God wants you to do. Yeah, that's okay, it's too late. We, we missed it. The moment passed. In 1 John 4, 16 through 21, he continues and he, he says, we have come to know and have believed that which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For, he, for, or for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. How many times is this said in the scripture? There's... there's this powerful measurement tool that we've been given and it hurts to look at because he's literally saying, I don't know that you love God just by your relationship with him because I can't see him. But you know what I can see? How you affect others. Kind of like that silly metaphor about dark matter. You know, it all makes sense now <laughs> that you can see what God is doing in your heart by the way you treat others, by the way you're willing to lay down. That's what love is from a biblical standard. It's not just liking something. It's not having a great affection. It's not just sacrifice. It's the imitation of Christ that you would be willing to give all so that someone else may receive life. That's hard. I don't want to do that. It's really tough. But there's two things that are laid out in there. If you follow this example of Christ's love, you will have no fear. And you will love your brother. How many problems in society would that flip and solve? How many things in your life would be better if you were, no, were never fearful again and you loved everyone around you? And even if, it, even if they abused it, even if they did, didn't receive it, 
you are still gonna get away with the best blessing of your life because heaven will agree with you. God will agree with you. It may not work out like sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, but you know what? God himself is saying, I have stamped this receipt. You are paid for because you are following the example of Christ. That is what love is like. <laughs> love is wanting what is good for someone so bad that you will do anything to get it for them. That is what biblical love is like. And that action, that sacrifice puts an unbreakable trust that pushes fear away. Because as I said before, if I sold my car for my buddy so that he could just pay his mortgage faster, do you think we're gonna have trust issues? Why? Because he can look back on the sacrifice. There's no way this guy doesn't care for me. He literally did something so sacrificial. I feel like now I need to sell the car. I'm not gonna. Because I look at Christ, I look at my magnificent heavenly father and I can see the way he said yes to me because he died a shameful death for me. And I only need to look at that when I am confused about how I am loved. I only need to look at the cross and see someone suffocating to death for me, as gruesome as that sounds, because that is how much God loves me. He would bear any punishment, anything, to make me be able to receive his blessing. So, I, uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, I think I was 12, so my parents, like I said, I, was, I grew up with my mom, and we had a wonderful life. I really liked my, my upbringing, but I would still visit my dad. He lived in Texas. We lived in Northern California, and so we'd go to visit him like every summer. We'd stay for a couple weeks. We'd always do like nothing but fun stuff, and then he'd occasionally make us like do yard work, which was lame, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, we, we, we went to Six Flags over Texas, which was like back then, like I thought, I thought everything was, like this was the pinnacle of, of life, was like we're going to Six Flags over Texas, you know, and there's roller coasters and all this stuff and it was just like I, I was in heaven. And so we, we get on this roller coaster, my dad's like, you wanna go on the shockwave? And I'm like, yeah. Shockwave was this thing, which like back, back then, they didn't have, like nowadays roller coasters are like, look, we're gonna throw you into the air and catch you over here. Like, you know, it's crazy now. Back then, this had two loops in a row and it was like, like people were coming from other parts of the country to ride this thing because it was so cool. And so as, as it happens, you're in line for roller coasters. It's not a very swift process. And as we're going, I, we're getting higher and higher very slowly. So I'm getting more and more panicked as, you know, whatever old, 10, 12, you know, I'm just like, I was, not, and I was not the uh, charming and brave man you see before you now. But we're going up there and I'm getting more and more nervous and then I start to kind of panic. Like I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And my dad at first was patient and then after a while, like every good parent, he was just like, get over it, you know. Um, and because um, I would do the same thing. That's why I'm saying that. That's not to throw my dad under the bus. But... <laughs> but then as we're like, it just, I'm reaching a fever pitch and I can see people getting on this death machine and people are strapping them to it. And I'm like, why are you doing this? You know, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I don't want to do it. And I'm literally crying. I'm like sobbing tears and there's no mercy to be found anywhere. Like my dad is not really, he's like, you're going to go on this roller coaster. We marched all the way up here. I'm not going to leave you on the platform and I'm not going to miss out on riding this thing. Okay, so then, then the guy puts me in the thing and just slams the bucket down and it's locked in place and I'm just like, let me out! Like there's no, nobody cares about the kid who's screaming on a roller coaster, you know? And I'm like, nobody, like I'm freaking out. I'm like, and nobody's paying attention to me. I'm locked, I'm gonna die, I'm in danger. 
And then we get on the roller coaster, still crying. The roller coaster climbs the hill, still crying. The roller coaster comes over the top of the thing. I'm crying even harder than I've ever cried in my whole life. Because I'm convinced this is the end. This is how people die. They get on the stupid roller coaster thinking everything's fine. I'm still crying as we're going down the first hill which is the steepest one, because, you know, when you're on there, it looks like it goes backwards. So I was like, ah! You know, I'm looking down, I'm screaming my lungs off. And then we go around the first loop, scream, scream, scream! <laughs> I start laughing like a lunatic. And then we go around the second one, and I'm laughing like a hysterical, crazy person. And then I'm laughing the whole rest of the ride, and I'm crying with laughter. And then we get off the thing, and I'm telling everybody, this is the best thing in the world! Everybody should ride this thing! Then I became like an evangelist for Shockwave. Have you ridden Shockwave? Let's talk about Shockwave. First Shockwave 316. You know, it's like, I was all into it. So, why couldn't I have fun and not face the danger of the roller coaster? Why couldn't I have had the fun of the roller coaster and not ridden it? Is that possible? Do you think as a kid I could have just had it described to me? Do you think that I would have felt as elated if someone just said, that was really good? Do you think everybody coming off it with tears on their face because they had so much fun was to me a really exciting like, message to hear? No. But then I went through it. And I rode the roller coaster and it changed me. And I still love roller coasters because of that one day. I love roller coasters to death. I love them so much, I wish I was on one now. <laughs> but we treat life and our love capacity like there's a third option, like there's not rolling, riding the roller coaster and having the fun. And that is not an option. There are only two options. There is love and there is not love. There is do or do not. There is no try. And I wish it weren't. We all do. We all want the comfort and the blessing. We all want the peace without the storm. We all want this. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was literally saying, the only way to bear fruit of love, the only way for it to abide, are these options. Here is the greatest thing you can do. It is to love. What's the alternative? You will live in a thicket of thorns the rest of your life, and you will wonder why, and you will curse God. He didn't say that. I'm saying that. That's Scott's opinion. Just caveat. As, as Nathan talked about last week, we, we, we have to sow. What we sow, we end up getting back. And when we sow love in the kingdom, there's such a cost. I'm not gonna lie to you and say it's just all wonderful. Loving costs you something. But wouldn't you rather love and pay the cost of, of that little bit of pain, that, that uncomfortability, that season that you have to go through and then everyone around you in your life, including you, is elevated to a new form of life that causes people to look at you and go, what the heck is going on with you? Because I am falling apart and you look like you have built your life upon the rock. The world 
has never needed that more in my lifetime than to see examples of men and women who are saying, I will love, I will pay the cost. You, have to, you don't have to look any further. I will do it. I will be the one to lay down his life. Because the alternative is, you don't pay the cost. You get a little bit of comfort now. It costs everyone around you, and then it takes everything from you eventually. There is no third way. I wish there was. I don't have the authority to change reality. If I did, I would. We'd all have griffins, and it'd be amazing. And lightsabers. Let's not forget about those. But think of how the, how the world would change, y'all. I just said y'all. I'm not from Texas. I was born there. Think of how the world, everything we need, would just be erased if we would but love the way Christ loves. Think of how would you have poverty around you? It would be intolerable to your soul if you saw your brother in need. Scripture says that in another spot. It literally says if someone around you has a need and you have stuff, you're wrong. That's radical. That's absolutely radical. How would it be if someone around you was going through some emotional stuff and you said, you know what? Instead of family night, I'm gonna spend time with this person, pray over them and fill them up so much that they leave here exploding all over the room with love. That's all it takes, and yet it takes all. But I wanna encourage you. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God, love your brother as yourself, he literally was promising, all of heaven's resources will come for you. My love in you will increase tenfold. When you think you're full of love and then you dedicate your life to filling others with love, your capacity will expand a hundred times to where you hold more love than you thought there was in the universe, in your own soul, because that is the desire of God. Do you think he wants us to settle for not having no love? Does that sound like God to you? Does that sound like a life abundant? No, he is daring us this morning. He is challenging us to say, how much love do you think you can hold? And watch me move. Because it will not be anywhere near what you, your tiny imagination can conceive. It will be like standing in front of the sun an inch from it. That's how much love you will receive. But you have to step into this life because there is no other way. You cannot grow it any other way. You cannot bear it any other way. But it's exciting, man. It's exciting. I'd rather have that life. I'd rather get on the roller coaster, bro. <laughs> like, I'd rather ride that sucker and get off and tell everybody how great it is. And you know, that's what a testimony is. That's what a testimony is. When someone's going through something and you say, I rode that roller coaster, God was faithful. He will be faithful to you because he was faithful to me. How many stories are in this room? If everyone in here stood up and just gave a testimony, we would, there wouldn't be a dry eye in the room. Our faith would be built up beyond the skyscrapers of New York City. We would all be so encouraged. Why is that? Because we've all seen God be faithful. That is the love of Christ. Let's pray. If you don't mind, just put your hand on your heart for a second. Jesus, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. What I have been given, Lord, I did not deserve. 
through your grace and mercy, you have been so good to me. You've been so good to this family, this house. You've been so good to us. You've been so faithful, Lord. And I thank you for your character that you are not willing to let us risk without being the first one to volunteer resources to help. And I pray for every heart, everyone in the, in the sound of my voice at home, especially those of you who are watching from home, hear me now. God sees all your sacrifice. He sees every tear you have spilled, every frustrated thought. And when you have kept going, he keeps that in a, as a record that he will count to you as righteousness because you believe that God will meet you and he will. Father, speed the day of your coming to, to meet the needs in this room, Lord. Let your mercy flow over this congregation. Let it change our countenance, Lord. Let it change the way we look that when we go into the world, it is a, a complete mystery is why we are so unpenetrably loved, that we are so willing to be filled and to give, that the river flows and flows and flows without cease from us, Lord. That you, oh God, have called us into the fire because you are the one who refines. And God, we will be on the other side so glad, telling everybody of your faithfulness. As we said this morning, his love endures forever. God, I pray right now for those who are disheartened, who are in a zone, in a, in a valley right now, in a, in a place, in a season that is hard, that they don't see it. Lord, would you just encourage them? Would you send members of this church, of their family, of their people, of your people, God, to send encouragement that, that we would be the feet and the messengers of Jesus and his love. We would be there not only to meet the physical need, but to meet the emotional and spiritual as well. Lord, I pray, above all, we would be a people marked by the love of Jesus. That no one would ever accuse us of being anything else. In your matchless, holy, magnificent, wonderful, joyful name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience, and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.